and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about Season 6, Episode 12, A Gay December Romance. Thanks for uh, waiting for us for an extra week, everyone. Mental health is important, guys. It is. We we decided last week that we needed to kind of take a break for ourselves, and I think we both feel very refreshed and ready to talk about this really great episode of Will and Grace. Yeah, so let's get right into the episode description so we can give you all that sweet, sweet, not a couple content. All right, so a gay December romance. A rich plastic surgeon, guest star Hal Linden, tries to buy Will's affection. Grace boycotts a new restaurant. Well, I think this was a great episode for us to come back to, honestly. Yeah. Because we've been kind of in a weird stretch with Will and Grace where, like, Mm -hmm. it's plot lines that, like, should work better than they do. Yeah. And so this one was more of, like, a pleasant surprise where we kind of read the description and went, ah. It's it's almost the opposite. It's an episode that doesn't sound like it's going to work. And somehow it does. Like, some chemistry of the writing and the casting. It just works really well. And it's Mm -hmm. one of those episodes that I didn't have a very clear memory of. Mm -hmm. So it was like a fun, like, watching it for the first time almost. Because I didn't really remember it. And to me, watching it, it feels like one that I will remember. Because I remember being so delighted by some of the choices that they make in this episode. Yeah, and I think part of it is because, as viewers and listeners at home know, I watched this show primarily when I was, like, a legit child. Mm -hmm. And so the sugar daddy plotline probably didn't really register with me. Right. But now, being an adult person who finds sugar daddies hilarious, this is really great. Well, and the other thing, too, is it's definitely an episode that you never have in a contemporary sitcom where you only have... 12 or 16 episodes like right it's such a great filler episode where the characters don't really do anything and there's no real character evolution and in that you get some great character evolution and they do a lot of great things right it's like it's like nowadays if you're going to get that sort of like deep deep character work Mm -hmm. it usually happens in the space of a bottle episode right whereas this is not a bottle episode by any means but we still kind of get that that same sort of character study where we get to throw the characters into these slightly off-color situations and see how they react, and it's really funny. Well, and it actually, I think, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I think for Grace especially, does more to develop some of these characters than I think the episode is even explicitly saying. Yeah. It's a very implicit episode. It is, and it's it's interesting to see, like, what different viewers intuit from it. Yes. And so we would be very happy to engage you all in a dialogue as to what you intuited from this episode. Dear listeners, tweet <laughs> at us. We miss you. Um, I think we want to talk about the Grace plotline first. Yes. So let's give you a bare bones outline. Yes. Basically. Because that plotline description from Hulu did not really get to the heart of it. It doesn't really get to the heart of it. So essentially Grace discovers that across the street from her building is a new Asian noodle place called Happy Noodle. Mm -hmm. And Happy Noodle makes Grace very happy. She's very excited. She takes Karen. They have a noodle. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And then she orders another order of noodles to go. Right. And then as she goes to leave, it's very hot. She picks it up. She drops it immediately. The noodles splatter all over the floor. And Grace immediately orders another thing of noodles. Mm -hmm. And that is very offended when the proprietor... Of the establishment wants her to pay for her replacement noodles. Now, I didn't talk to Tess about this before we began the episode, so you're about to get our hot, raw take on this idea. But, Tess, how do you feel, both as a former member of the service industry and as a current patron of the service industry? Oh, no, you pay for the noodles. I agree! I think in, unless it is a directly the server or the restaurant's fault. Yes. yes. If the server had dropped the noodles on her, yes. then they would 
purchased her her own replacement noodles. But seeing but if she- you're so clumsy or like so like ah it's hot that you drop your own noodles. I don't think a restaurant is obligated to give you free noodles. Right. And it's sort of like the same thing as like you see it all the time where like on television and movies, like little kids eating an ice cream and they're clumsy uh-huh. and they like lick an entire scoop off of the ice cream and it right. splats on the ground. The person who runs the ice cream shop, unless they somehow are responsible for that, does not owe you uh-huh. new ice cream. Now, I will say from a marketing and public relations standpoint, it was a huge mistake, pretty woman style, for them to <laughs> not just give Grace the noodles. I mean, in addition to the fact that she ends up boycotting the noodle store, yes. she clearly is planning on being a repeat customer since she's just finished her 750 noodles and ordered a second one to take home. Yes. Like, at that point, like, that's a customer where you're like, this is big business. Like, this is like 5% of my monthly income. All right. Here's the other thing that's really an issue that I find is that Grace's thing is that she thinks they should have warned her that it was going to be hot. Yes. I think that she is stupid. <laughs> It also can't have been that hot. And even if it was that hot, like, it's soup. You just ordered fucking soup. Do you want cold soup? Like, this isn't gazpacho noodles. Like, <laughs> come on, Grace. And it's not... Happy gazpacho would be a good name for a restaurant, <laughs> And it's not like the McDonald's claim where now they have to put caution hot on all of their things, mm-hmm. where, like, that poor woman, like, had her genitals burned because coffee was being served to her at, like, 400 degrees, right. which is insane, and McDonald's was totally at fault for that. Right. This seems very much so, like, Grace, like expected something that isn't really a given Mm -hmm. and then tried to blame her own cleanliness on it in a kind of racist way? Well, it was... It felt kind of like the first take of the episode. They did, like, a test run and people were like, no, Grace should pay for it. And they're like, okay, I know what'll get them to be on our side. What if Grace was really, really aggressive about it and a little bit racist also. Yeah, she, like, was like, you should have been like, hot plate, hot plate. And I'm like, what? Who does that? I've... I've been, I'm going to be real with you. I was a server for years. I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever say those words. Even in restaurants where I have had people who are from Asian countries and English is like their second or third language, I've never had them say, hot plate, hot plate. It's usually just like, careful, it's hot. Right. Or like even just hot. Yes. It's very rarely whatever caricature of some fucking... Asian-ass cartoon character Grace was doing, and it was garbage, and Grace is wrong. But here's the reason why I thought that this plotline was amazing and very funny. Yes. Unlike what usually happens on this show, the show does not force us to be on Grace's side here. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that, because it's a complete heel turn from episodes we've had this season. Yes. Like, she's clearly portrayed as being ridiculous and over the top. It's... Even implied that her racism is bad, which is a huge thing for a show in the... It's 2004. Racism is bad? Right. What? Like, the the guy, like, makes fun of her for making fun of him for having an accent, like, partway through. Like, yes, you go, nameless person. I wish he had had a name. Mr. Happy Noodles. I wish he had a name. Admittedly, it kind of undercuts my argument that I'm pretty sure the waiter didn't have a name. And yet, like, at the end, then, like, Grace is, like, having this boycott that is going very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. And, like, her friends are there at Happy Noodle. Eating Happy Noodle. Because they don't want to do the boycott because they think Grace is being ridiculous. Because she is being ridiculous. She's, like, at one point, and this is this scene really kind of does date the show a little bit. She's going through her personal phone book. Yes. Which, for our Gen Z listeners, is this piece, this, this piece of, of leather mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you put paper in. You put people's phone numbers into it. You'd because write you, them down you with, had a, to. with a pen because you otherwise had to keep them in your head. <laughs> and that was hard. And so she's going through her phone book calling everyone, being like, everyone, 
you can't go to Happy Noodle. You have to boycott mm. them. And then, like, everyone just accepts that this is insane. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't actually wrong her in any real way. Mm-hmm. And boycotting a noodle place simply because they expected Grace to pay for her own food mm-hmm. is redonkulous. And then, then there's the thing that we both kind of talked about, which is that it seems like this is really nothing to do with the noodles or the not getting the free noodles or the principle of the matter, as Grace claims. It seems like it's just kind of about her marriage. Right. Like, it's a really weird, like, it never gets said in the episode. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, this also doesn't really wrap up the plot. It just kind of, like, stops happening. But, like, the very end, Grace is talking about, like, I don't even know what it is. Like, the noodles, you know... You just want the noodles at the end of the day and, you know, like... Right. There's, like, she's talking about how she, like, basically wants comfort food and then she talks mm -hmm. about the betrayal of Karen and Jack for going to Happy Noodle. And, like, the real kicker is that if Grace had just not thrown a stink, Karen is apparently there so often that now she has basically gotten a noodle punch card. Right. So, like, if Grace had just been a good, not complaining customer, she probably also could have gotten a noodle punch card and gotten free noodles. Right. But, so, like, the whole thing kind of feels like it's much more to do with, like... The fact that she was promised a marriage and it didn't really work out the way she wanted it to. Right. And somehow it's about noodles. Well, it's even like an Asian restaurant and she just came back from Cambodia. And it's like, yeah. I can't tell if the writers wrote this episode with that thinking and just it never made it to the actual on screen. Or if it's just completely implicit, like an unconscious and they just wrote it in and they were like, whoa, did we write like a really deep episode? Good job, guys. Here's my imagination as to how that writer's room went. There's like, well, they hit their bong. Right. And they went. Oh, I thought that was them slurping noodles. Okay. They're slurping noodles. We're not good at sound effects on this show. Then they did the bong hit, which is more (laughs) like a bubbly noise. Hang on. I might. Hang on. I have a prop for this. That's good. That's good. Okay. So then they hit the bong. Dude, what if we wrote a noodle plot line, but it's actually about Grace's marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. We'll be here all week. <laughs> that was so beautiful. I know. This is clearly a high point of the show for us. I especially like the part where I pause to redo my sound effects. <laughs> I feel like we need like the sound effects from Parks and Recreation when they're on the radio show. Oh, it's yeah. like, ah, my balls. There's a lot of like, <laughs> right, because fart noises. Me so horny. Oh god. Again, you're... that's not great. Racist. But it's that's, racist. That's on the episode. But it's so racist. Ah. <sighs> I would just like to clarify that because you're repeating a white man being racist does not make you not racist. That's a good lesson for us all to learn. But especially Matthew. (laughs) Matthew doesn't seem to know this. I mean, I know it. Do you? Let's move on. Okay, so then the other plot of this episode is kind of great. Okay. And it is Will and Jack go to an art opening. Mm -hmm. And Jack's whole reason for being there is that he wants to find himself a sugar daddy. Which is an amazing plot line for any show. Not just Will and Grace. Always. Like, it's it's the kind of plot line where you're like, oh yeah, Will and Grace should definitely have done this already. And then they do. Yeah. And it's amazing. Because, like, any show could really pull this off. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's it's something especially great because you know that these gay men exist. Mm -hmm. Where there are older gay who go out and find themselves a boy toy and just, like, lavish them with gifts. Right. And And it's a transactional relationship. And you have seen this relationship in a bar Mm -hmm. many times Mm -hmm. if you've gone to a gay bar. I have, Mm -hmm. and it's always a bit unpleasant. I never understand... I feel like both parties are being extremely short-term thinkers. Yes. I think that's the... That's the problem. I think that's the 
goal, honestly. Yes. Because the, the boy toy doesn't really want to think about a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And the old person is usually like, well, I'm going to die. I don't really have a long-term, so. <laughs> there is no such thing as a long-term for me. I'm 86. Well, if in 30 to 40 years I have a boy toy, listeners, you have permission to put me on blast on whatever we're using for social media in 30 to 40 years. Just, Probably you know, just, like, shared networks of wavelengths. I just imagine you just have to, like, blink a little hard, mm-hmm. and then you'll get, like, an electric shock to your head. Yeah. You're like, oh, like, oh my balls! Getting some more viewer feedback <laughs> from the past! <laughs> yes. Oh. So, in their going to this art opening and Jack seeking of a sugar daddy, he abandons Will pretty quickly mm-hmm. upon spotting an older man with an ascot who is clearly gay. Right, of course. And so then he, we see Jack sort of struggle to try and connect with Bertram, this old man. Right. To- well, and that's one of the funny things about this plotline is that Jack is uniquely unequipped yes. for this man. Like, first of all, Jack is, like Will, as is established later, much too old for this. Oh, much. Like, they are at... The episode seems to suggest that they're pretending to be in their late 20s, but they're clearly in at lowest their early 30s. Yes. They're much too young to be going to art galleries and trying to get 60 or 70 year olds to pick them up. Uh-huh. But Jack is unequipped because he doesn't, he can't hold a conversation with these men. No. Which is not always a necessity, but is at least appreciated. But yeah. And he's just not interested. Like he's only interested in the gifts. Yes. And so he kind of just like tries to make conversation by telling this man all the things he could buy for Jack. Yes. And it's not going well. And the other man's like, ah, when I was in the depression, I couldn't buy anything. And Jack's like, oh, you know what always makes me feel better after depression? New shoes. <laughs> and it doesn't work out great. But meanwhile, because Will has been left on his on his lonesome, mm-hmm. he is approached by this man, Alan, who um, finds him like really enjoying this painting and he's like, well, why don't you buy it? And Will's like, oh, I couldn't. It's very expensive. I, I like to spend my right. very large amounts of money on something practical, like a sweater. Right. And so then pretty close, like pretty... Pretty immediate. Pretty much immediately, Alan purchases the painting for Will. That's a power move right there. That is I'm impressed with that move. Big dick energy right there. I want to marry someone rich, subsequently become rich because I do it in a marital property state. Yes. Then they die of natural causes, not because I murdered them. No. But then, subsequently, I want to use the money that I've now inherited to make power moves on other gays. Sure. Yes. So then, they pretty much, they, they do seem to have a real sort of chemistry. They're, they're making nice banter. They're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Then he buys Will's the, Will the painting, and then all bets are off. Right. It's, it's a very interesting plot line. It, we were talking about how we like that Will has a sexual plotline. Yes. But it's also not a sexual plotline at all. It's right. doing this weird dance with standards and practices. Yeah, it is. And it's very much so that Will's sexuality is sort of potentially the good and or service that is being sold here. Yes. But it's 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 very much so hinted at. It's like you said, they're playing a very dangerous game mm-hmm. with standards and practices where they can't outright say, you're basically paying me for sex. Right. Or even saying that sex is being had at all. Right. Like, even when Will is accusing Alan of wanting to have sex with him, he doesn't actually say that. Right. He's like, I I feel like maybe you want something more from me, something something physical. And, and Alan's like, a hug? And he's like, with friction? Like, they can say <laughs> a hug with friction, but they can't say sex, which is objectively shorter and less awkward to say. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, too, like, I, watching this episode assumed they were having sex until Will said something about it later. Me too. Because, like I just, because of the way the relationship was developing, I assumed that Will had just like gone all in and was like, okay, I guess I'm having sex for presents now. 
I just mean, I feel like Will is a successful person who hasn't dated in a while. And mm-hmm. so he seems to actually genuinely have affection for this person. Right. I could see him rationalizing if I give the old man sex and presents fall out, it's not so bad because I actually like him. It's kind of like the episode in the revival where he pretends to be Jack yes. or, um, for McCoy. For McCoy. Yes. And like, he's just like flopping around the apartment and Jack is getting increasingly intelligent enough to realize he's being insulted. Yes, he's like, you're mocking me, how dare you? But it's kind of weird because, like, it seems like he's fine with having the attention for the presence. But as soon as sex is involved, he's like, no, that he's is like, the line no, I will not cross. No, 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 I'm not a prostitute. Right, it's it's, it's really weird. weird. Like, yeah. it's, there's a new level of denial happening beyond anything Will has shown so far in that he is receiving presents, including at least five-figure works of arts. yes. From this man, and he doesn't think that he's the sugar baby. Right, and frankly, I just, I don't, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in a feminist and delicate way. Mm -hmm. But if someone is doting on you in that sort of transactional relationship, my understanding is that typically the payment is sex and companionship. Right. So the fact that he's only kind of half-acidly delivering on his end of things really kind of makes it all the worse when he goes to Alan and is like, you're trying to get me to sleep with you and Alan's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Right. That's the thing is like that confrontation goes so oddly because Alan gets offended at the suggestion that Will, or at the suggestion that he would be keeping Will as a a boy toy. Yeah. Which is very weird. It's a very weird response. It's because it doesn't even... It doesn't even make sense regardless of what Alan is actually doing. Right, because, I mean, if Alan's response had been, oh my gosh, I completely understand how that might have come across that way. I am doing that. I am doing that. (laughs) Yes. Or, oh my gosh, I didn't mean it to come across that way. I apologize. If I'm making you uncomfortable, I will stop lavishing you with gifts. Right. But instead he's just like, how dare you? And also you can't have presents with me anymore. And then then they run into each other and he has a new younger boy toy. Right, like... It's kind of weird because, like, it seems like the episode is going one of two tracks, both of which are funny. Yes. But one is that what it looks like on the surface, which is that Alan gets upset, quote unquote, uh-huh. and, but then, like, goes back to doing the same thing with someone who understands the transactional nature of the relationship. Right. And is fine with it. Or, and this is my preferred interpretation, <laughs> Alan is just a very nice older gay man. Who just wants who to hang out to with young people. presents and like, hang out with young people. But when Will accused him, he got very angry and threw Will out. But then he was alone in his big house, and he was like, you know what? I've been giving all this money away to all these gay men. I could have been having sex with them. What the fuck is wrong I'm with I'm an you? idiot. Could have had a V8. It could have had a V8 indeed. <laughs> and so now, he's like, spring, and he's ready to go with knockoff Will Truman. Is that his dick noise? That is his dick to dick noise, yes. Did he use some of his money to buy some Viagra? Spring, indeed he did. <laughs> This is like literally what I'm imagining happening is that he's just, he's actually like a a very philanthropic and generous man. Mm -hmm. And he has literally never considered the possibility of being a sugar daddy because his dick don't work. Right. And so then he was like, wait a minute. And then he hop tops over to the doctor. He's like, excuse me, sir, I need some Viagra. And the doctor's like, here you go. And then he's like, sproing. And then he goes and finds himself a sugar baby and they have sex all night. Right. I mean, I'm imagining that he's very happy with the sugar baby. I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope... I want to spin off with Alan in it. <laughs> Alan and the sugar baby. <laughs> it's just so funny and weird. It's so weird. And I mean, on the one hand, it's really satisfying to see a plotline that does center in some way over the possibility of Will Truman finally getting some fucking sex. Right. And it actually, like, 
in character, it makes sense for him not to want to have sex in this way. Right. Like, it makes sense for Will not to want to be someone. Totally. He doesn't want to have a transactional yeah. relationship. He doesn't. He wants a real relationship. Right. But it's weird that the episode never has him say that? Right. Or, I don't know. That's the other thing, is if he had said, Alan, I really like you, and I think we should be in a real relationship, mm-hmm. not where, one where you're paying me, which he wouldn't, but right. well, for shit's let's imagine. Let's yeah. imagine that this is what he's saying. That would have been one thing if Alan had been mm-hmm. like, no, I'm really just in this for the boy toy right. of it all. And so it's just very weird that the show never really just lets Will explain why he's not into this. Right. Well, and let me make a straight comparison. So, on Friends, there's a long stretch of episodes where Monica starts dating her childhood dentist. <clears throat> That's gross. It is gross. But I'm going to continue talking about it despite my inner revulsion. <clears throat> so she start, she's dating Richard, her former dentist. Who's also best friends with her parents. Right, of course. This is an important factor. Similar age gap to what we're seeing here. Early 30s. How would you, old would you say Richard is? He must be at least 60. No, she's actually 26. You're right, because they're younger in Friends when this show starts. They are younger in Friends. So he's probably in his 50s, I would say he's late 50s at the early end. Right. And she's a 26-year-old Twinkie because there's a specific line calling her that. Right. So that plot line goes on longer because they're straights and they're allowed to have sex on television. Mm -hmm. But in the end, what it comes down to is they have a talk about the relationship and Richard's like, I don't want kids. I already did that because I'm 55. And And Monica's like, I want children because... I want the idea to have children who are younger than me, similar to how I am younger than you, but apparently that's not a flaw in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I would have loved to see some of that in that discussion with Will, where Will could say, I want like a real relationship, and Alec could just be like, I don't need that. Like, I've either I've had that or I've never been fond of that. I really just want to have someone who I can just socially hang out with, who I can give presents to, and we can have sex. Yeah, there... There's just so many ways that they could have resolved this in a less bonkers-ass way, but they didn't take that route, and it's still really funny. And, and you could still have the scene at the end where Will runs into the new boy toy, yeah. and it's still awkward. Like, now it's kind of like a weird situation where he's like, Alan, maybe we can still be friends, and, and then Alan's the boy toy like, comes in, no. and then Will's not even, like, properly mad about it. Like, I would be offended at that point. Right. They're like, this guy got so mad at me, and then went out and just did the thing I was yelling at him for? Right. And then... Then we get to the age thing at the end, which is where Alan tells Will that he's basically too old to be a boy toy. Which doesn't make any sense and and is rude. Well, okay, here's the thing, though. The show does kind of play fast and loose with how old these characters are supposed to be. Right, no, I'm not disputing that at all. I just mean there was a reference, I think, a couple of seasons ago about Will's 38th or 39th birthday. But then in the revival, he's supposed to be, you know, young enough that he can pass for late 40s. So, like, that's that's not how math maths... I know. I guess we're in season six, though. I mean, we're only so if the revival is eleven years after the finale, mm-hmm. we're really only thirteen years behind season nine. I guess, but I just mean thirteen. But at what cost? <laughs> I just mean thirteen years plus thirty nine does not late forties make. No, <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah, it's just a very. What I was thinking was so weird about that is that, uh, I I don't think Will is. Will is probably a little too old to be a boy toy. Except it's clear that Alan clearly thought of him that way. Yes. And he's just saying it to be petty, which is completely out of keeping with Alan's character through the entire rest of the episode. Yes. Like, I know this isn't Game of Thrones, but there's a lot of character assassination going down this week. (laughs) Oh, Daenerys the Mad Queen. But it it leaves it on an interesting note, which is, again, in a kind of implicit way, it points out that, like, these characters are not, you know, 
they're not even like friends in season six of Friends. Like right. they are older, they are more mature, they have different life goals, mm-hmm. and I like it when the show leans into that. Yeah. And I kind of wish they'd maybe leaned a little bit harder on it in this episode. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm fine with having Will sort of put his foot down to be like, you know what? No, I don't want to be a sugar baby. Maybe I'll be a sugar daddy. He's yes, like, that's literally the note the episode ends on. Is which is weird. Him and him and Jack like sit there and go, oh, someday we could have boy toys. And everyone at home is just like, oh. Okay. That being said, we do kind of a little bit see that in the episode of The Revival when Ben Platt guest stars and he's oh Will's God. date. Because Ben Platt's like, oh my God, this is your place? Like, do you have roommates? <laughs> like, how, th- you have like a real couch? It's right. not a futon? Like- well, and then when Jack is uh, with his one true love, um, Tiny Cop. What is Tiny Cop's name? Oh, Officer Drew. Officer Drew. When he's been Officer Drew, Officer Drew is also implied to be like... Probably older than Ben Platt, but, but not, significantly younger than Jack. He's also a baby gay. He's newly out of the closet. Right. So even if he is, like, five or ten years older than Ben Platt's character, he's still, like, quote-unquote young. Yes, he's... Whereas Jack is an elder gay at this point. Yes, Jack is the elder statesman of the gay community. I mean, he has a grandson. He does. Not even a very young grandson. Like a ten-year-old grandson. Yeah. And I know we've established why that's possible, but, like, hashtag yikes. Yikes. I miss Elliot. Me too. I'm really sad that he became a Republican because he has two gay parents. Mainly one of the gay parents was Rosie O'Donnell. Two gay parents. All right. Rosie, you could just be gay, (laughs) says Madonna in that article. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, I think that's all we have for this week. I think so, too. Matthew, why don't you tell people where they can find us online? I'd love to. If you'd like to communicate your dialogue to our monologue, the best place to start is on our Twitter page. It's at... still dialogue, you idiot. There's two of us. Well, we kind of have the same brain. <sighs> Tell them where our Twitter is. <laughs> it's a not a couple show. You can also <laughs> send us a message on Facebook or shoot us a line on, uh, what is the other one? Tumblr. On Tumblr. That, that whole thing. It uh, hasn't been bought by Pornhub yet. You can also send us a longer communique by sending it to our Gmail, notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And you can always listen to us, as you are right now, on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify. Hooray! Well, thanks so much for listening, and barring any mental breakdowns, we'll be back (laughs) next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Eliza, you're beautiful. Meow. This week's episode was sponsored by Sound Effects. Thanks for listening. 